Hey everyone, welcome back. It is Barakoa Big Red Basketball. I am John Lugo and I'm joined by Will Darnell. Will, how are you doing today, Will? I'm gonna talk louder. I'm <laughs> gonna talk way louder today. We, we hear you people, we hear you. Yeah, you better talk louder. <laughs> But um, let's see. Yeah, so we got we got the Eastern Conference up, ready to record the West. I got my Big Red ready. Yeah, we re-upped on Big Red at the HEB yesterday. You know what it is. Unfortunately, the gas station down the street does not have our barbacoa. So no, man. I went in, got some fruit snacks and an energy drink yesterday. Saw the steaming hot barbacoa. Waited for my co-host. <laughs> went back later. All the barbacoa was gone. Rip our lives. <sighs> Who knew that barbacoa was in such high demand around here? <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Sunny Food Mart, you let us down. I mean, I guess there's a reason why we named the podcast after it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay. Um, something that's not in high demand, <laughs> the Sacramento Kings' is projected win total. <laughs> uh, Sacramento Kings. You know, I actually kind of feel bad for them because they're projected to be worse even though i really liked their off season i get why it's worse but i still i think that it's being a little harsh on them so they lost so they pretty much went through a massive overhaul of swapping veterans for rookies they lost Rudy Gabe and Macklemore, Darren Collison, Ty Lawson, Tyreek Evans, Anthony Tolliver, Aaron Aflalo and in their place, they got De'Aaron Fox, Harry Giles, Justin Jackson, Frank and Mason. They brought over Bogdan Bogdanovich. And the new veteran presence is going to be George Hill, Zach Randolph, and Vince Carter. What do you think about their summer? Um, I really, really, really like De'Aaron Fox. Um, two years two years ago in the state high school playoffs, he played against the school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chat. And De'Aaron <laughs> Fox is so good, or was so good in high school, that for the first two rounds of the playoffs... He pretty much just like stood near mid court and let his team play four on five. And yeah, they still beat my school by fifty five points. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And I mean, hopefully it works out for De'Aaron Fox there because a big part of the reason why Sacramento drafted him is just because De'Aaron Fox liked the city. Like the ki- after all the drama that the Kings have been through, they were so toxic that they drafted a guy based on the guy's sincere enjoyment of the city itself and the team. So, hopefully, I don't know how great that is when it comes to drafting moves, but I like De'Aaron Fox, too. I think he, he's already going to be, like, one of the most, like, quick, fastest players in the league. Yeah, and he, like, completely dusted Lonzo Ball in the Sweet 16, <laughs> which, for me, was a great personal moment. We'll get to the Lakers talk in uh, about 10 minutes, but... <laughs> Deer and Fox struck the first blow in what is hopefully a real rivalry moving forward for the next few years. Yeah, for real. Other than that, do you think you think Zach Randolph is washed? Zach Randolph, I I mean maybe a little bit, but I think for the purpose that he's supposed to serve in Sacramento, I still like him. Because I mean he he's a veteran. He's a tough guy that you do not fuck with. So <laughs> if any rookies, any young guys try to mouth off Zach Randolph is going to be the guy to put them in their place. But um, let's see. So their record last year was 32-50, and 50, and their over-under is 28.5. So even if you take the over, you can say that they're three wins less, three wins worse than they were last year. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think Do you think that they're going to be better than last year? What, what? Do you think it's too much of an overhaul? What do you think? 
I think that they're going to be way worse than last year. <laughs> and if they start even like moderately poorly, that we're going to see Vince Carter and George Hill's names in a lot of trade talks mm-hmm. to trade them to good teams. I think that's probably why George Hill signed the contract. He got the most money he could on the market. And so he's going to look to get traded to a good team. I feel like that's the move for Sacramento, get some more assets. I don't know about Vince Carter, but I was I was thinking the same thing for George Hill because I think Sacramento just signed George Hill so that they wouldn't be at the bottom of the barrel. And uh but George Hill George Hill had a weird ass summer. He turned down a huge extension from Utah last year to try to test himself in free agency and ended up on the wrong end of that and just accepted the deal from Sacramento because that was the best that he could get. But uh, one way that I could see them falling way under is if they see that George Hill is probably of more use to them as a trade ship than a veteran presence, and so I could easily see them trading George Hill midseason to a team looking to get better right away in exchange for draft picks and more young players. So... Yeah, I th- I think that's where the where they're at. I, they probably win like twenty games. They should probably tank, honestly. They sh- they sh- but the thing about that is that they don't have their pick next year. Oh, that's a that's a bad wrinkle for them then. Yeah, because everyone, it's 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 been like two. It's been a two sided story. Like I've heard so many people say that they did better. They're finally on the upswing. They got good rookies. They got good veterans. Things are looking up. And then I heard a, another half of people saying, "What the fuck are they doing? They needed, they needed to, they need to. Oh wait, no, 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 no. They have, they don't have their pick the following year because this is the year that they needed to tank, and they're not doing that. So they needed to tank one more year, and everyone's like, "What the fuck? Why are they trying to sign players to make them better immediately?" Yeah, and so I don't know. I mean, maybe they realize that and then trade off some guys. But um, yeah. So, so you're going you're going under. Yeah, way under. I I don't think that they're gonna be the worst team in the league, but I think that they're gonna be like regular old dog shit. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I think their time as the like the laughing stock of the league and like complete and utter dysfunction is over, but it's still not that much better than that. Okay, Phoenix. They did not do shit besides add some rookies. They headlined by Josh Jackson. Uh, they lost Leandro Barbosa, Ronnie Price. They haven't re-signed Alex Len yet. I'm assuming he's just going to take the qualifying offer and try again at free agency next year. But this is a weird line because they went 24-58 and the over-under is 29.5. So if you take the over, you're saying that they're six wins better even though they're not... They didn't noticeably improve the roster. Like Josh Jackson, I think Josh Jackson will be good, but to make him that much better, I think is asking a lot. I guess that they're counting on progression from Booker and Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. But, uh, I mean, they did lose um, Brandon Knight for the year again because he yeah. tore his ACL over the summer. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah, poor Brandon Knight. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going, I'm going under because I just... It, it This line just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see, outside of Phoenix Suns, Homer fans' optimism, I don't see how they get better. Do Phoenix Suns have Homer fans? <laughs> Is that a thing that exists? Uh, I mean... 
I did, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think I've ever met a Phoenix fan or anyone who is of general interest of the Suns, like outside of that Steve Nash era. Yeah. Um. So they're projected to be five and a half games better. Obviously, I guess Vegas thinks that Devin Booker's really good because he scored seventy points. I don't know. They tried to trade Eric Bledsoe literally the entire summer. Yeah, shut him down early too. I don't. I I don't understand this line at all. It's like the most inexplicable one of the entire list of them. Yeah, I there's mean, there's no way they win twenty nine. I mean, there's no way they win thirty games. Yeah, and I mean the best the best thing for them to do is just to repeat what they did last year, which was just give all their young guys a lot of playing time and then shut down the veterans in like March. Yeah, they got to find a place to trade Eric Bledsoe too. Yeah, and whatever they get in return for Bledsoe is going to be like future picks on other young players. No one that's going to make them that much better this year. So way, way under on Phoenix. Yeah, sorry, boring Phoenix. fucking team in the league. Also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Phoenix, but you're boring. We don't really have anything. For fuck's sake, please get out of here. Yeah, and change your owner. <laughs> okay, Los Angeles Lakers. They're still going to suck, but at least they're a very, very interesting shitty team. They got. They got Lonzo Ball. They traded D'Angelo Russell for uh, Brooke Lopez. D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov for Brooke Lopez in a late pick that turned out to be, I think, Josh Hart, either him or Kyle Kuzma. And they signed Contavious Caldwell Pope. And they also lost Nick Young and Tariq Black. So, okay, let's just get it, let's just get it out of the way now. What do you th- <laughs> tell tell us all your thoughts on Lonzo? <laughs> I'm really conflicted on Lonzo. Uh, I think it's hilarious. Like, his entire family is, like, hilariously fucking stupid. (laughs) I mean, his dad is making money, and that's great. I think the shoes are really ugly, and they're not worth $500. But, I mean, is he good at basketball? I don't know. Um, Obviously, this summer, a lot more people than ever before tuned into summer league games for him, and that's a great boon for the Lakers and their ratings this year. But when they start, like, 0-13 or some dumb shit... Yeah. But, I mean, that's extreme. They're probably not going to be that bad. They, I don't know. Are they going to be that bad? It depends on who they roll out there. Is Contavious Caldwell-Pope good? The Pistons had no interest in retaining him. Yeah, he seemed, he's yeah. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is the guy who... He's, he's going to be, like, five, six years into his career, and he's still going to be the guy that makes you think... Maybe he can turn it around. Maybe he. Maybe this is the year that he finally shows up and breaks out. But um, yeah, I don't know what to think about Caldwell Pope. I love Lonzo. I hate his family, but I love Lonzo. <laughs> I think he's our. <laughs> I think he's already gonna be one of the best passers in the league. I think. I think he'll easily be like Ricky Rubio status but outside of that I don't think he's as good as a defender as Ricky Rubio uh I don't know whether or not to trust his jump shot he's gonna be a really good open space shooter but I doubt he'll be able to create his own shot because his form is fucking weird as hell um but aside from that I mean other ways that they can improve really that would be uh expecting jumps from Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle what do you think about them? I mean, I hope Brandon Ingram spent the summer eating in and out burger and then he gained some weight because yeah. he's one of the skinniest dudes to ever play in the NBA. He is extremely <laughs> skinny. I just I want to go back to Lonzo Ball for a second because 
he had he's had one marquee matchup so far in his career. <laughs> the shit all over him again right now. Because <laughs> UCLA against Kentucky, he let De'Aaron Fox score thirty eight points in a direct like for like matchup, and he had ten. How's yeah. he going to deal with like the the caliber of point guards in the West that he's going to match up against on a nightly basis is like yeah. a murderer's row. Yeah, and not only that, but there are plenty of players who think him and his family are annoying and are going to try to have their best game against him. People are going to fucking go at him like they went at Jeremy Lin when Lin Sanity was going <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's why I say that I don't think he'll ever be a star, but I think he'll instantly be a great passer, a great point guard, but in a traditional sense, you can't expect him to be one of your best defenders or one of your best shot creators because, I mean, he creates shots for other people, but not for himself. Yeah. If he has, like, a bad first five games, the Stephen A's and the Skip Baylesses of the world are going to just start relentlessly shitting on him every night. Yeah. And it's going to be unlike any other rookie of recent memory other than LeBron for the amount of attention he's going to get. And also, I don't know if it's just me, but I think he just fucking runs weird. He he, like, <laughs> he just moves really weird. I've seen highlights of him, and the way he runs, it feels like... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I'll watch. I'll watch a video. Show Will a video later and try to explain <laughs> myself. But I just think he runs weird. <laughs> and then um, Julius Randall. Anything about Julius Randall? Uh, I hope that he worked on his jump shot this summer. <laughs> if he didn't, he's going to continue being a like mediocre bust. I don't want to call him a bust because he does. He's a, a good hustle guy. He's fine when he's out there. He's just never going to be a starter on a good team at this rate. He is in way, way better shape. I mean, I know that people love saying that come training camp, <laughs> but he went from being pudgy to being straight-up ripped over the summer. He is in way, way better shape, more athletic. And they're going to roll out a... Their, their starting lineup is going to be something, what, like Lonzo Ball, Caldwell Pope, Ingram, Randall, and Lopez. Can that take you to 33 wins? I don't know. Who is that team stopping, exactly? No one. I mean... I don't. I just don't see them getting any stops against the Western Conference. Their best defender is probably Caldwell Pope, even though he can be shoddy at times. Whenever he's whenever he's locked in, he can be an amazing defender, but that just doesn't happen a lot. And you're gonna have to hide Brandon Ingram on a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen how much he's been working out, but if he's still extremely skinny, he's just gonna get beat up, and you're just gonna have to live with it. I don't know. They were like you said. They were twenty six fifty six last year. The line is thirty two and a half. This one is a is a hard one for me because is Luke Walton a good coach? Is Lonzo Ball trash or is he fine? I don't know. Is Julius Randle in better shape? Did Brandon Ingram gain thirty five pounds? Is Brook Lopez foot okay? <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, he played well last year. He played in seventy five games last year, so I don't I don't know. So if he's his... due to miss likely. He's going to break his foot in the first game. <laughs> But, uh, I'm going to go over. I think, not by much, I think I think a successful season for them. Like, I, I think it would be good if they tanked and got another high pick, but I think, like, for the sake of showcasing themselves in next year's free agency, they need to show that they're not complete hot garbage. And I think they can do that by winning, like, 34, 35 games. Yeah, I'm going to take the over also. I think that... Like our refrain from the Eastern Conference preview is someone has to beat these shitty teams, and I think the Lakers' somewhat dubious prospects are better than like almost all the teams in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Okay, At least they're exciting and new. 
Yeah, they are. Okay. Dallas. Uh, let's see. 33 of 49 last year, and their line is at 35 and a half. Another team that didn't really do a whole lot. They added they added rookies, Dennis Smith, Brandon Ashley, Jonathan Motley, and other people. But it's going to be headlined by pretty much their only real addition was Dennis Smith Jr. So, um, I don't, I don't I feel like, let's see, the line, if you take the over, that means they're better by three wins. And I guess uh, maybe Dennis Smith can do that for you. And if not, then you would have to expect more out of Seth Curry or Harrison Barnes or Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel is going to be motivated to have a good year because he accepted the qualifying offer and is going back into free agency next summer. Yeah, if he's not a complete idiot, then he's got to play super hard and super well this season. Yeah. Otherwise, he's, like, fucked himself forever. Yeah, he has to make Dallas regret not giving him a good deal this summer. Um, I just want you guys to know that in our Google Doc with talking points, the last one is slang wood, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) And that is obviously a reference to Dennis Smith Jr.'s long-ago Twitter history. Oh, my God. I think it's the best moment of the draft. (laughs) Yes, we were watching the draft together, and when Dennis Smith got drafted, uh, like Twitter loves to do, they pulled up his really old tweets that are stupid, and, God, I could not stop laughing. I think he wrote this when he was 14. Was that, like, 8th grade? He, he, <laughs> he wrote, I'm not sure if this is verbatim, but pretty close to it is, everybody has a God-given talent. Mine just happens to be slanging this wood in my pants. <laughs> Which, I mean, it obviously endeared him to uh, fans of dank memes everywhere. Also, it seems like Mavericks fans are really in love with him. But the Mavericks won 33 games last year, and that involved them like having like a couple like good streaks of games. Yeah. But outside of those couple streaks, they were fucking terrible. It, like for the first month in the season, they were like one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the league. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's that. But um, let's see. Does, does does Harrison Barnes get better? What does Harrison Barnes do? I think that Harrison Barnes probably got a little bit better, but. He's still not good enough to be the best player on your team if you want to win. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're relying kind of... They always... I mean, Dallas is good at getting talent out of nowhere. Like, not star level, but people like Yogi Ferrell, Dorian Finney-Smith, Salah Mejri... They still carry around Devin Harris and Wesley Matthews. Like those, <laughs> those guys probably wouldn't survive on other teams, but just ha- for some reason happen to do well in Dallas. They did. Uh, like Rick Carlisle is a fucking amazing coach, and I think Dennis Smith Jr. is fucking awesome. I think he. I don't know if he will win, but I think he can win Rookie of the Year. I think he's definitely in that conversation. And I'm gonna go over. I think I'm going to go over two because I think that with the addition of Josh McRoberts, who somehow like escaped us on our additions list, um, uh, oh, if, yeah, if that's they get right. anything out of him and Wesley Matthews is just like even 5 or 10% better than he was last year, that they should be able to put some wins together. Assuming that Dirk can still chuck it, which I don't know why he would not be able to. Yeah. I think that old man can chuck it forever. Yeah. And a part of me thinks, I don't know. I don't, I haven't really followed the story around Dirk, but I think this is going to be his last year, and I think he's just going to go out guns blazing. Yeah, Dirk's a legend. Um, the Mavs suck, and I hate them. <laughs> I think that they'll win like 38, 39 games, and 
for at least a while, sniff the eighth playoff seed inexplicably, much to the chagrin of everyone who hates Mark Cuban like I do. Yes. <laughs> Although, I kind of like the now solely because of Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> but yeah, that's he's it. he's going to sling wood. We know that for sure. Look yeah. out, Dallas ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Memphis. One of Will's favorite teams to preview. Grit <laughs> and grind, y'all. Well, that's over. That's yeah, over. that was very much over. They went 43-39. and 39. Their line is at 37 and a half. They lost Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. And they still have not signed to Tony Allen or to Michael Green. And their main additions are Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore. And their rookies, Ivan Rabb and Rod Zagarach. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Who? Good thing I didn't read that. <laughs> Rady Zagarak. Okay, so they seem. I mean, they they have they still have Conley and Gasol for the long term, and they can't. They just there's just no way to be awful with those guys on the roster. So assuming they're healthy. So it seems like yeah, assuming they're healthy, this seems like a team that like what should be happy if they get to like the ninth or the tenth seed. I don't know. I think that they're somehow going to win more games than that. They just always do. But uh, I think a lot of it hinges on whether or not they actually bring back Jermichael Green, because he was a pretty important part for them last year. Yeah, he was. And they haven't re-signed him, and no one else has signed him to an offer sheet, and it's like one of the weirder situations in the league right now, that no one's heard anything about him. Yeah, both him, Jermichael Green, and Tony Allen, I think they're just going to return on one-year deals and just try again next year in free agency. And the reason why I said this is one of Will's favorite teams to preview is because we get to talk about Chandler Parsons. Um, I once wrote a very long medium blog post about (laughs) Chandler Parsons. It was pretty much the world's biggest punk. Um, My Twitter background, like, banner photo is Jermaine O'Neal blocking (laughs) his last year on the Rockets. Yeah. It is impossible for me to hate a professional athlete more than I hate Chandler Parsons. Yeah, and so, but apparently there's optimism surrounding Chandler Parsons because for the first time in the summer, his summer wasn't spent on rehab, but actually working on his game. So. I don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, he's been garbage. Did he even do anything in Dallas, or was he derailed Uh, by his... Almost exclusively garbage in Dallas. Yeah, and in Memphis, he what, like averaged like sixty points on like twenty five percent shooting or something like that. Six points, guys, not sixty. <laughs> something like that, yeah. And so, um, forty three and thirty nine to thirty seven and a half. Are you going to take the over? I'm going to take the over. I think you can pencil in Marcus All and Mike Conley alone for forty one wins, regardless of what other fuckboys are on their team. I am going to go under, because uh, depending on how you read into Marc Gasol's interviews in Spain during Eurobasket, it sounds like he may be looking to get out of Memphis. He constantly talked about how much he loved Memphis, but kept saying things like if if their priorities aren't in line with his priorities, it may be time to review things, not verbatim, but but things like that. But basically referring to needing to talk talk with the Grizzlies about what their futures are together because they may be going down different roads at some point. And it wouldn't surprise me if they put Marcus Gasol on the trading block. And even if they don't trade him, I think that the locker room vibe is going to take a hit. 
So, question: Do you think the Rockets can get him for Clint Capella, Ryan Anderson, <laughs> in a first round draft pick? Oh my God, no, not at all. Well, I mean, no, no. I'm, not. <laughs> I'm very sad. <laughs> You're not getting rid of Ryan Anderson. Just please it. take Ryan Anderson. Anyone? Okay, so. So you're over and I'm under on Memphis. Okay, now, New Orleans. They didn't really do much either. They, I mean, they couldn't. They're pretty, they were salary, they were pretty much capped out after they re-signed Drew Holiday. And the only thing that they could do was sign Rajon Rondo and Ian Clark. I think Ian Clark on the minimum deal and I think Rondo is like just above the minimum. And then they lost Tim Frazier they traded Tim, Tim Frazier to the Wizards in a trade that got them a later draft pick. And Solomon Hill, who is on the team but tore his hamstring and is probably going to miss the whole season because of that. The Pelicans are really boring to talk about. Outside of the whole Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins thing, will it work? Will it not work? The answer, preview, no. <laughs> no, it won't work. It didn't work last year. Some people say that it's starting to get better toward the end of the season, but I just I don't see it. I really like John's fake trade of sending Anthony <laughs> Davis to the Cavs. I was going to say that that is the only reason why they'll be interesting because they've been like hovering around mediocrity for what feels like forever, and it's slowly creeping up on them now that they have to address what the next phase of this team is going to look like because Cousins is going to be a free agent next year, and if they don't think they're going to keep him, do they try trading him? I don't know what Anthony Davis thinks of New Orleans at all, but if he thinks that they're a lost cause too, maybe it's time to just blow it up and gather picks and young players. That's the only reason why I think they'll be interesting at all, to see what happens with Davis and Cousins, and that's all, really. Yeah, their offseason can pretty much be summed up by the fact that they like loaded a Brinks truck and pulled it up in front of Drew Holiday's house and... The guy, like, literally won the lottery. Yep. he is not that good. Yeah. He hasn't been, like, a good player since he was on the 76ers. Yeah. And he was just mediocre last season, and what, he played, like, half the season? A little more than half the season? Yeah, but uh, not all of that was due to injuries. Yeah, what, yeah. Like, I'm kind of... due to the brain tumor that his wife had. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, if anything... Their future may not be so optimistic, but I think for the sake of looking at whether or not they'll be six wins better next year, I could see someone make an argument because they have cousins for a whole year. They have training camp in the preseason to get acclimated. Uh, Drew Holiday's going to be around again. Um, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> okay, I'm not even going to mention Rajon Rondo. I tried. <laughs> I was trying to spin him into something positive, but midway I was like, no, this is a bad choice. So, but I mean, yeah, they have Holiday back. They have Cousins for an entire year. Does that put them over or under 39 and a half? I want to say that they win exactly 40 games or 41. Yeah. And that they probably sneak in to the eighth seed in the playoffs somehow. If Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Uh, I am gonna... I'm gonna go over two. Slightly, slightly over. I don't know about make the playoffs, but 40 wins. Okay. Utah. 51 and 31 last year. 40 and a half is the over-under. They clearly went through some shit. 
after <laughs> after Gordon Hayward left. But I still like what they did with the rest of their offseason. I mean, they're clearly going to be worse next year, but I still like how they saved themselves. They lost Gordon Hayward, George Hill, Boris Diaw, traded Trey Lyles, and uh, they replaced those guys with Ricky Rubio, Tavo Cephalosha, Jonas Jarebko, Eka Udo, and Donovan Mitchell. And they're going to be... This is this is what I was thinking, and I've heard this before on other podcasts. They're they're gonna fucking suck at scoring, but they're gonna they're gonna be an amazing defensive team. I think they're gonna be like a top five defensive team. Yeah, I've been hearing all off season that the the Jazz are gonna be good, or some people are saying that they're gonna be better somehow. I think that that's wild. Yeah, not like, at all. That is like one of the wildest, dumbest things that I've ever heard. Yeah, not at all. But I think that they're gonna be fine. I don't know how they're gonna score any points, like John just said, because. Like who's their best offensive who, player? Rodney yeah, Hood. Yeah, is even, Rodney Hood. <laughs> is there anyone? Not even who? Who handles the ball? Well, Ricky Rubio is going to handle the ball, but who do they look to to score? Who handles the ball when Ricky Rubio sprains his ankle two weeks into the season? <laughs> Assuming he also hasn't sprained his ankle two weeks into the season, Dante Exum. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dante Exum is probably like an X factor for them, but we haven't really ever seen him play. Not extended time. When he did play, he was not very... Uh, he was a rookie, but he wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> maybe Iso Joe, seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson, <laughs> is going to have to come to the rescue again. I think the other Joe on their team, Joe Inglis, is probably going to be more important since they gave him all that money. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Whenever Joe Ingles first came into the league... I never looked up who he was and just assumed that he was Hispanic and thought his last name was Inglis. Joe Inglis. <laughs> yeah, and then once I realized that he's a white guy from Australia named Ingles, I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, li- I, like, uh, I like that they brought him back. I like Ingles. I like Rubio, Tabo. Jarebko is a decent big man off the bench. Ekbe Yudo coming back from the EuroLeague where he made a reputation for himself as maybe the best defender in all of Europe. And Donovan Mitchell looked really, really good in Summer League. I mean, he, they shouldn't expect on him for much, but take it for what it's worth, he looked like maybe the best rookie in Summer League. So, I think that they'll firmly make the playoffs and go over, but I think that they'll lose in the first round, regardless of who they play against. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, I feel bad for them because I don't know how they're going to build their team again. They're pretty much stuck with this roster until it's the next time to blow it up because they're pretty much salary strapped. And, and will this be the first year, or will this be the year that they finally get someone to take Derek Favors? Yeah, that too. He's had some of the weirdest injuries in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, and he just he just has nagging back injuries that never go away, and he's going to be a free agent, so might as well try to cash him in for whatever they can get for him. <laughs> uh, so are you over-under on Utah? I'm over. I still really like what they did. I don't think... Um, I really like the moves they made because there are a lot of teams who, after they suffer a massive blow like they did with losing Gordon Hayward, they try to make up for it by taking on really stupid contracts or like trading or signing players who are clearly past their prime or were never even that good in the first place. And... They signed a bunch of players. They they signed a bunch of players that make sense for them. I like what they're doing. They weren't bad enough to tank, and so they're trying to make the best of what they got. I just, I still like what they did. Yeah, and I really like Quinn Snyder. Not only does he have a cool name and cool hair, but I think he's a pretty good coach. And 
He does he does have a cool name and cool hair, but it also kind of makes him look like an axe murderer. So. I can confirm Quinn Snyder is an axe murderer. <laughs> Please don't cut that joke. <laughs> okay. Um, who is next? We've got the Portland Trailblazers up next. Um, I think that this will probably be the quickest of the teams that we preview on this over-under podcast. Last season they went 41-41. and The over-under is 42.5. They added two rookies. Caleb Swanigan, great fucking name. (laughs) Zach Collins, really boring name. And they lost Alan Crabb. I'd say they got out of the Alan Crabb situation. Yeah, they did. And then they lost Festus Azili, who played like, what, like, did he play a single minute? He didn't play at all. They gave him $12 million to not fucking play. (laughs) He is going through, he has something very rare this like he needs this very rare surgery on his knee and he needed a a donor uh like a like a tissue part of his knee that he needed but he couldn't find one that fit his knee because he's so goddamn huge so what they're doing is they're taking a piece of that tissue from a cadaver and <laughs> they're giving him he's taking a get a dead guy's knee tissue and that kind of surgery, assuming that it's successful, has a minimum recovery time of a year. So he pretty much just made out like a bandit, just made like what, like nine million dollars, I think it was, think to it was just 12. to just sit on the bench in Portland. <laughs> yeah, which is great for him. Um, yeah. So other than that, they didn't do shit. They didn't do shit. They did add, as everyone knows, Joseph Nurkic at. Was it at the trade deadline or was it just near the trade deadline? I think it was near the trade deadline. And they got. Way better. They ended up making the playoffs, squeaking in at forty-one, forty-one. I mean, I, I think a lot of it depends on if Juke, if Joseph Nurkic is actually good. Yeah, and he plays like he did last year. I think that they'll probably win around the Stanley Cup games. Yeah, yeah. That the only thing that uh, I, that came to mind when thinking about Portland is that I hope Caleb Swanigan is good. So that way we can make Twitter jokes that says it's more like Caleb Swaggin'. <laughs> I do not approve of that joke. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> I'll convince you. So the over-under is 42 and a half. I think that they're under that, but barely. I think that they go 500 again. Yeah, me too. They, they are another team stuck in that area between the 8th and the 12th seed. And... And they also just can't suffer any injuries. I think any injuries to any role players will send them spiraling. So, best case scenario, they win like 43, 44 games, but I just don't see that happening. I'm going under. Okay, Clippers. They, I'm sorry, Clippers fans. (laughs) This is going to be a long one. (laughs) Yeah, so, they lost... Nearly everybody not named Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. They lost Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, Paul Pierce, Jamal Crawford, Luke Richard and Bob Mute, Raymond Felton, Mo Spates, Brandon Bass, Alan Anderson. But they added Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. Uh, those are all guys. And that was that was the package in the Rockets trade, right? Yeah. And then Danilo Gallinari, Milos Teodosic, Willie Reed, and they drafted Jawan Evans and Sundarius Thornwell, who seem to be good guards apparently to NBA Summer League Twitter and uh, we're at least able to re-sign Blake Griffin so uh, yeah so they're over under 
is at 44 and a half. And last year they went 51 and 31. I think that's pretty high. I think it's kind of insulting to say that after you lose Chris Paul, the over-under is just six games worse. <laughs> I can see that. But at the same time, they have a lot more guys now. They do. They have a lot more dudes who can hoop a little bit on their team. They do, but... I don't know if you can rely on Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari. Two of those guys, whether or not they can stay healthy, is going to be a giant determining factor in how good this team is. Yeah. Let's take it from a Rockets fan. Patrick Beverly is made of glass. <laughs> <laughs> and like the biggest thing is that regarding health, I don't know if you can count on Blake Griffin. That's and- true, too. Blake Griffin, he's already out. He underwent, uh, was it toe surgery? Uh, the one that knocked him out of the playoffs last year. And uh, I've read varying stories that say he, that he'll be somewhere between training camp and December. And so they don't have anyone on the team to like run the offense through. I guess, is Danilo Gallinari going to be running the Clippers until Blake comes back? Like, is that a reasonable <laughs> expectation? I mean, first of all, it sounds like you're being disrespectful to <laughs> who is about as wet as it gets. Isn't and he... also, Milos Teodosic is on this team now, my man. He <laughs> is already the worst. Without playing a single minute, I already know he's the worst defender in the league. <laughs> he's pretty much... He's like Lonzo Ball if Lonzo Ball was like 55 years old. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Milos Teodosic is like something of a pet slash wet dream of everyone who watches international basketball because he's a Serbian guy. He's 30 years old, so he is like, in American years, that's like 55. (laughs) (laughs) But he makes like wild passes, and that is essentially it. (laughs) Yeah, I I love Milos Teodosic, uh, but I just think he came to the NBA like eight years too late and just and another thing too is that like as as I asked if Danilo Gallinari can run the offense while Blake is back I just remembered that he fractured his hand punching a guy at Eurobasket <laughs> oh shit I totally forgot about that so no the answer is no um, that requires three players to be exceptionally important for the early part of the Clippers season and at least offensively and that's Patrick Beverly Lou Williams and the guy we haven't mentioned yet the greatest clipper of all time, Austin fucking Rivers, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> he essentially chose Austin Rivers over Chris Paul. Yeah. And Carmelo Anthony. Do you remember that story? Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know, apparently the Clippers had a deal in place to get Carmelo Anthony last year, and then Doc Rivers mixed it because it included Austin Rivers. Which I don't understand because all the stories out of LA are that Doc Rivers fucking hates his son. <laughs> but yet, I mean, I guess like Tywin Lannister, Doc Rivers, decides not to trade him because he wants to see him killed instead. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, I mean, okay, so in any time throughout the year that Blake Griffin and Daniel Gallinari miss time, it, this might be Austin Rivers' team until either of those guys come back. That is a sad, sad reality that I don't want to live in. Like the Matrix, but the outside <laughs> where everyone's like a pod thing. 
like that. Patrick Beverly with free reign to shoot is going to be a dangerous thing, though, because he's a bad, bad man. Yeah. Or unless they finally allow DeAndre Jordan to post up. <laughs> also, I want to know what white NBA player progression Sam Decker is going to fall into. Because for a while I thought he was going to be Chandler Parsons, but he's not quite as athletic or tall. Yeah. I still have hope for him. I think he'll still be a good player. I think it's. I think this trade was good for him because they're going to need the help, and De- Decker is in like a prime position to show what he's made of. They did lose J.J. Redick, which I think is one of the more important things that they lost, other than Chris Paul. Yeah. But who's going to shoot on this team? I mean, Lou Williams doesn't. Lou Williams just took a jump shot <laughs> when he heard who's going to shoot. Just so you know that it's going to be him. Yeah. I just, yeah, they... I I don't know. I mean... Drake released the song Six God, an homage to Lou Williams. Lou Williams <laughs> is going to misunderstand that on the Clippers and think that that means he should shoot six times per quarter for the entire season. Yeah, as if he didn't have the motivation to do that already. <laughs> it's okay. 44 and a half. What do you got, John? What do you say? I'm going under. I think it's going to be a train wreck. I agree with you. I think that if they win 36 games... I would be shocked. Especially because Delano Gallinari and Blake Griffin can't stop punching people. <laughs> yeah, they cannot. Okay, so up next we got Gallinari's former team, the Denver Nuggets, who did pretty well for themselves, I think, with who they added. Paul Millsap, Trey Lyles, and their rookie Tyler Lydon, and they lost Danilo Gallinari, Mike Miller, and Roy Hibbert. Uh, they lost Mike Miller and Roy Hibbert to Father Time. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Roy Hibbert lost that battle a long time ago. <laughs> somehow Mike Miller, who's at least 10 years older than him, survived longer. <laughs> and uh, let's see, 40, 40 and 42 last year, and then now their line is at 45 and a half. So... That I absolutely love the addition of Paul Millsap. I think Paul Millsap is one of the best players that you could pair with Nikola Jokic. I think that's a monstrous front court. I'm a believer in Nikola Jokic, and I think Millsap is the perfect complement player to him. And um, I like their group of young guys, aside from Moody. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Emmanuel Moody's family doesn't even like him. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that he went to China and made his money there, but I think that's going to be the thing that he's most known for. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it for him. Um, just looking at their roster, I think a lot is obviously predicated on Gary Harris and Wilson Chandler staying healthy, which yeah. is something that they both had tremendous, especially Wilson Chandler. Yeah. Like, the dude can't go two weeks without breaking his fucking leg or his arm or something. Yeah. And... I won't say that to his face because he's really scary looking. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's like Kenyon Martin levels of scary looking. He does. He is. Yeah. <laughs> and he also just seems like the kind of guy that contending teams are going to try trading for. He's on a reasonable deal. And um, this is kind of a hot take. Okay, so everyone just prepare the hot take wagon. Yeah. But Nikola Jokic is the true blonde white foreign hype. It's not Chris Porzingis. It's Nikola Jokic shits all over Chris Porzingis. Oh my god, what? Hold on, wait just a second. <laughs> also, I really, really like Paul Millsap, and I'm upset that the Rockets didn't make something happen for him. Hold on, hold on, let me make it louder. <laughs> okay. Honestly, okay, so, I said that that was a hot take. I don't think it's that hot of a take. Because Nikola Jokic 
was the best player on a team that damn near made the playoffs. Chris Epps Porzingis was the best player on the most hilariously bad team in the league, essentially. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know about that. I love Nikola Jokic. I think people missed out very, very badly on not getting Jokic, but... I mean, I definitely think he's competing with Kristaps on that level. Yeah. I love Jokic. What, is, is he already the best passing big man in the league? I think Mark Gasol's probably a little offended. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's up there with Gasol. Maybe not better than Gasol, but on that level. What catching about, up to him. What about Kevin Love? Kevin Love. <laughs> what about LeBron? Not, I mean like big man, big man. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Are you saying LeBron's not big? <laughs> <laughs> He's in the stratosphere. He it wouldn't surprise me if he became undeniably the best passing big man in the league at some point. I'll put it this way: Nikola Jokic's hands are as soft as Vince Carter's disposition, <laughs> and you still don't want to catch them. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's 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 not scary looking like Joseph Nurkic, but when they had Joseph Nurkic and Nikola Jokic, that's like a nightmare's. Or uh, an announcer's worst nightmare. If right he's there. as smooth in a fight as he is with the ball in his hands, <laughs> you don't want to mess with him. Game over. But, okay, so the main problem I have with the Nuggets and expecting them to win six more games is that they're probably going to trot out the corpse of Jameer Nelson as their starting point guard. I am also worried about that, but I'm also a huge believer in Jamal Murray, and I think it'll get to the point where Jamal Murray is just so ridiculously good that they cannot justify starting Nelson anymore, and Murray will take over, get more minutes, and show that he's on the track to being one of the best guards in the league. I think that that, if that happens, that they're going to blow past the over-under. Yeah, for sure, which I think is going to happen. I think, I take the over anyway, it's 45 and a half, I think that they can win like 48, 49 games. Yeah. What do you think about Fareed? Uh, I think that this is the year that they finally dump him. <laughs> and I think that they dump him for like a second round pick in cash. Yeah, he still does not seem happy at all there. Like, what team in the NBA wants or needs Kenneth Fareed? <clears throat> I don't know. That's that's a good question. He's like the poor man's Montrezl Harrell at this point. <laughs> that's a joke. Oh, that's mean. That is mean. <laughs> Okay, so uh, what we're going to do now is conclude this first half. We're not going to make the mistake that we made recording the East. I think that we could get it all done within an hour because we still got, what, five teams remaining, and they're finally the good teams that we're going to have a lot more to talk about. So um, thank you for listening to part one, and part two should be coming right after this.